Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, coming up on the podcast, Sean McDonald. He teaches negotiation at the Asper School of Business. We'll talk to him about the trade talks between Canada and the U.S. Jackie Labossier is a listener who suffers with multiple myeloma. There's a walk coming up. We'll find out about that. Did you hear about this guy who called the city to get the tree on his boulevard trimmed? And they said, sure, we'll be there in 12 years. Well, we'll talk about that with Dan Spears. He is an arborist and also the owner of affordable tree and stump removal. And I call her Kijiji Kathy. We'll get an update on her earnings so far. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now the podcast. Sean McDonald teaches negotiation at the Asper School of Business, and he joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, give me your thoughts on where these trade talks are headed. Well, it's a bit of a crazy circus at times when uh, uh, one side changes and it's sort of like new New drama every week. So what I say today could be different tomorrow. (laughs) But uh, let's start with the, let's go back a a couple of months. And this all was really uh, blew up when uh, Donald Trump imposed 10% tariff on aluminum and 25% tariff on steel. And then Canada retaliated with uh, with equal tariffs, particularly in agriculture and food processing and so on. And it's kind of led us to the point where this has been the starting point of a much bigger fight, and that is to essentially dismantle the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA. Mm-hmm. Now, over the last summer, a couple of really big uh, developments. The first is that Mexico and the United States kind of uh, went off on their own and began to successfully uh, complete elements of their own bilateral trade agreement, leaving Canada out of it. And so now Canada is in some ways scrambling to catch up. We've, uh, We've lost the unity that even on paper may not have been that strong with NAFTA. And now we're looking at bilateral trade agreements with Canada and the United States, and it's not going really in Canada's favor. We we knew and we understood that we were going to have to give things back, that perhaps NAFTA was too generous to Canada and and too difficult for the United States. But where we're at right now is that we're we're basically trying to minimize our losses with NAFTA. It looks like uh, there may be uh, a couple of real critical things. One is dispute resolution, and the Trump government wants the dispute resolution on any future trade to be done in U.S. courts, and uh, Canada wants it by an independent uh, judici- judicial panel. And so that's that's a huge sticking point for all future trade. And the second is the dairy industry. And I, the Trump wants access to the Canadian dairy markets. And right now there's a, you know, uh, there's been a lot of protectionism in Canada for the dairy industry that I think Canada is going to have to give some ground on this one. Mm. Anyways, it was so the things really kicked in in the summer when the trade commitments and fights for steel and aluminum kicked in and our counter 
tariffs kicked in. And so we got a real good fight going on right now. We sure do. That could get bigger. Um, let, let me ask and, you a question yeah. here, Sean, because I get the sense that we're heading toward a deal or no deal fairly quickly yeah. here. Yeah. Um, depending on what happens, but talk of, because you teach negotiation yeah. at Asper. So talk a bit about yeah. what, uh, the U S did to us with the help of Mexico. I mean, they froze us out. We went in yeah. against the giant, against the elephant and with the help of Mexico, we kind of got yeah. shut out. Didn't we? We sure did. And so if we were to uh, talk about this in a class, we would say that that's that's bad faith bargaining. Uh, that is that, bad faith bargaining. Eh? It's not just better. Of, it's not just better than us. We, they pulled a fast one on us. Eh? Yep. Yeah, and that is going to uh, poison the well for for how Canada feels about this. I have to believe, because you always do this in negotiation, Canada has a plan B on this. And the plan B is to build stronger ties. And maybe this is a good thing with all other countries, not Canada and Mexico. And, of course, there's geography issues, but I think it means strengthening our ties to the European and Asian markets. Mm. And that's a silver lining out of a what's going to be a bad situation. And you're right. We're heading towards... Uh, a culmination of this dispute, and it seems to be at the end of this month. Both sides have said that this kind of song and dance and drama uh, needs to end. But the concern, the big sort of X factor is Donald Trump. And Trump does not have uh, warm feelings towards the Canadian Prime Minister or Canada in general. And so there doesn't appear to be a strong willingness at the moment for Trump to compromise. Furthermore, it seems to be this America first seems to be a winner with his base, although it's going to it's going to really hurt the agriculture sector in the United States with the what they call tit for tat types of tariffs and and quotas. And that's going to go on. So we're going to have we could have some bad days. It looks optimistic. And in some thinking is we we get better ties with other countries and we wait it out till new leadership comes on in the United States that's willing to bargain uh, with goodwill and fair play, which we haven't seen a lot of uh, over the summer. So as you watch this, I'll get a prediction from you here and I'll let you go. Yeah. As we watch yeah. this, you say that you know, we'll either get a deal or maybe we'll get a plan B. Canada says, fine, we'll go deal with yeah. other people until maybe Trump is gone. Your prediction, will we yeah. get a deal, do you think, or will it be plan can I B? Predict, can I predict both? And that is we get a, a watered-down deal and we pursue a plan B because I think that that's the direction it's heading. We'll get, we'll get a few things. The one thing I'm really going to watch, though, is this dispute resolution. And if we get no deal there, um, that means uh, a lot of bad news in the future because we don't have a, a, a structure to solve our problems. Sean, thanks for this. Appreciate your expertise always. My pleasure. I got a text message from Kathy the other day. And we arranged to talk uh, right now. I call her Kijiji, Kathy, and she's on the phone. Hi, CGOB. Well, are you a millionaire yet on your Kijiji sales? No, not quite a millionaire, Hal, but I did break $8,000. Good for you. Yep. 
You happy yeah. with that? Well, I'm happy with that, certainly. Uh, every extra bit of cash is great. We talked a few months ago, and I said I'd get an update. And um, how long have you been doing this? Um, I opened my Kijiji account in 2015, so, you know, a couple years now. And uh, just regularly keeping track of everything that I sold. And that's where I'm at right now. And how much work has it been? Are you on it every day for an hour, two hours? Give us a sense of the workload. Um, well, you know, I mean, I get a message from somebody and, you know, you chat back and forth and where you can meet. I live in rural Manitoba, so I'm in the city. So right. when I'm in the city, I tell them I'll meet them in a parking lot somewhere uh, when I go in to do some shopping. Yeah, but you've pretty much always got something on Kijiji for sale, eh? Actually, I have I have about 83 items on Kijiji right now for sale. Wow. Yeah. I just keep finding stuff in the house that I no longer care to have, so... Um, you know, yeah. get rid of it, you know. So you're <laughs> not buying other stuff to resale on Kijiji. You are just clearing out your stuff. Yeah, just my own. Um, you know, I have, uh, I had a couple of family members merged together within the house. I had my mother, I had my husband's stuff and, and my stuff. So we all merged together and then you have a whole lot of stuff and you don't need three toasters. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> are you enjoying it? Well, Enjoying the money that I put aside for my uh, <laughs> holiday or whatever. Yeah. Actually, we we do do that. We we put it aside and uh, and we use it for a bigger purchase that we'd like to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kijiji's been handy for me. I'm not on it a lot, but there have been times where I've gone, "Hey, you know, I want that, but I don't want to pay full price. I wonder if there's one on Kijiji." And I've lucked out a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband had some boat parts that he just recently uh, decided he no longer wanted. They were brand new, still in package, never had been used on his boat. So we sold those on the weekend and, uh, you know, made it 50 bucks for some stuff that was sitting around. Yeah. So you're going to keep doing it? I'm going to keep doing it for sure until my house is empty. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, thanks for the update. I appreciate it. All right. Kijiji Kathy, eight grand. Uh, since she opened up her Kijiji account, Kijiji account in 2015. That's not bad. Just getting rid of the junk around your house you don't want anymore. I'm impressed with that. I'll tell you what I'm looking for right now. Uh, well, I'm always looking for them. Is vintage microphones. Did I ever tell you the story about how Lori Mustard, who, of course, worked at the Winnipeg Sun for many years, and he was here at CGOB for many years, He's an auction addict like me. I got help. He didn't. He continues to go to a lot of auctions. I don't anymore. And I remember one time we were at an auction and there was a vintage microphone and I wanted it and he wanted it. And what can I say? Lori Mustard's pockets are much deeper than mine. He got it. So if you ever run across a vintage microphone out there, let me know where it's at because I'm interested. I'm converting an outbuilding at my house into a studio, a video and audio studio. And I'm looking for all kinds of cool stuff that I can put in there. And right now I'm looking for vintage microphones. So there you go. There's your homework. Find Hal a vintage microphone. Uh, I Somehow Jackie found my phone at my desk and left me a message. I played it for you. Was that yesterday? I think it was yesterday I played it for you. And I said that I would uh, get her on the show, and here she is. Jackie Labossier joins us now. Good afternoon, Jackie. 
Hi, Hal. How are you? Great. I got your message. I even played it on the air, and so I'm happy to have you on to talk about multiple myeloma. You're suffering with multiple myeloma, correct? That's right. Tell and, us about and it. And just to, to make sure that everybody knows, myeloma is not melanoma. Melanoma is skin cancer. Multiple myeloma is a blood cancer. It affects your bone marrow. And it's rare, but you say not really that rare anymore. Well, it's the funniest thing that once I was diagnosed and was letting friends and family know, they would say, oh, I know someone who had it or who has it. Um, It is still considered a rare blood cancer. It's not as popular as leukemia or some of the other blood cancers. Mm -hmm. So we call it rare, but those of us that are living with it, Um, We're saying we seem to feel there is more and more people that are being diagnosed with it and wondering if maybe making people more aware of the symptoms of multiple myeloma might help them get early treatment. Right. Yeah. Multiple myeloma also, it just doesn't affect the bone marrow. It affects the bone itself. So most of the people, um, most patients, once they're diagnosed, have extreme pain, back pain, hip pain. It can affect the kidneys. So the big mission of uh, the walk that we're having September 16th is to bring awareness to multiple myeloma. Yeah, you were saying that with those symptoms, it often is misdiagnosed. Um, It's not so much misdiagnosed as poo-pooed as being, oh, you're feeling tired, you have bone pain. Um, you know, look at your age because typically myeloma hits people in their late 50s, early 60s. Although personally, I know five people who are under those ages that have been diagnosed with it. Hmm. So you go to your doctor and you have, oh, my hip's been bothering me. Well, let's see how it goes. And the next time you go, you say, well, you know, my hip's still bothering me. And until the blood test can be done and shows what's going on in your blood work, um, it's really a hard cancer to diagnose. So what Myeloma Canada, who is the only nonprofit uh, Canadian organization that is solely devoted to multiple myeloma, um, they really are eager to get family physicians to do perhaps more more blood work with people that are coming in with what could be the symptoms of myeloma. Mm -hmm. And it's really this walk that uh, I'm involved with, the Make Myeloma Matter walk, is about building awareness and naturally the money for the research for the drugs that will help. Sure. Um, Give us some details on the walk. You mentioned it's coming up on the 16th. Tell us about it. Um, The walk, it's the eighth annual walk in Winnipeg, but the 10th Canadian-wide. There are 23 cities across Canada that do this walk. Our walk is September 16th at the Norwood Community Centre at 87 Walmer Street. Registration starts at 9 with the start time 10.15 for the walk. We are a little upset this year that our walk coincides with the Terry Fox walk. Mm. We're not trying to step on any other people's toes. Normally, our walk would have been the week before, but the Norwood Community Centre was booked um, for the 9th, 
so we had to go to the 16th. So we apologize to all the people who are hardworking uh, for the Terry Fox Walk. We're not trying to take away from that. Sure. It's just a blip this year. So it worked, yeah. It just worked out that way. So that's coming up this Sunday, and I would suggest get out and walk for Terry and walk for multiple myeloma. Do it for both. Yes. Yeah. If we can do it for both. And both are great uh, fundraisers, so... Ultimately, the cancer community is huge, and so whatever's going to help in one area will eventually help in others, so it's, it's all good. It's well, Jackie, all good. thanks a lot for the message. Thank you for joining Thank me you. today and telling me about the disease, and we'll get the word out. Thank you so much, Hal. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. There's Jackie Labossier. She has multiple myeloma. The walk's coming up on Sunday, and if you want to help them out, you can certainly find out more online. Happy to have Jackie on to talk about that. And joining us on the phone now at 247, Dan Spears. He is an arborist and the owner of Affordable Tree and Stump Removal. Hi, Dan. Afternoon. Hi, thanks for doing this. So the city's telling this guy 12 years before they'll come and trim. So the city's telling this guy 12 years before they'll come and trim the tree on his boulevard. They're focusing resources on the infestations. Initial, you know, in years past, and this is this is from City Winnipeg uh, site information. Even uh, it was a 40-year cycle, if you can even even imagine. Um, so they've, they've, with their budgets, they've been able to bring it down to 12, but uh, that still seems pretty crazy to, to most people, for sure, because we have so many trees. And you're an arborist. What happens to these trees if they don't get trimmed in 12 or 20 years? I mean, that can't be good either, right? No, not at all. It's uh, it's about the health of the tree, for sure. But even before that, it's about the, the safety of the, uh, you know, the people on the vehicular traffic and, you know, signage and all that sort of stuff being visible. And I get it that taxpayers don't want to phone a guy like you to come and trim a tree that's on city property. I mean, this is what we pay our taxes for. That's right. That's right. In fact, a homeowner, so if a homeowner decided that they personally wanted to to prune their boulevard tree, they aren't uh, allowed to do that, but they are able to file the paperwork with the city to hire someone, but then, of course, as you say, then uh, they're having to pay out of pocket for that to get someone to do that that cleanup or that pruning. Do you know if the city hires companies like yours, Dan, to go out and do some of this trimming and some of the other work with the trees in Winnipeg? So they do. You know, the the priority uh, trees, so the ones that are, um, you know, potentially damaging a vehicle or or overhanging a sidewalk or or you know, street lights, that sort of thing. Those city of Winnipeg, uh, the forestry department will handle those. But then when it comes to, um, they'll have bids for certain parts of the city that are in the rotation, that 12 year rotation, and then companies will be able to bid for those and, uh, and do that pruning. So in your opinion, putting resources toward infestations rather than trimming trees, does that make sense? Or do you think the balance needs to be more the other way toward trimming trees as well? You know, it's it's a tough one. We just this year, well, just this last year, we've found that there's this emerald ash borer in in Manitoba and Winnipeg, 
And uh, this beetle is going to be, it's going to decimate all of our ash trees. Um, and so like everyone's heard of Dutch elm disease, right. uh, but that's sort of pales in comparison now to this poor, uh, um, these poor ash trees are, are really starting to get, they're succumbing to the, um, to these beetles. So you'll see pretty much every, if left untreated, every ash tree in the city, which is one third of the city's, uh, you know, canopy will succumb to these beetles and will have to be removed. Wow. It's that big a deal, eh? It is. And, and the worst part, I guess, with the, these beetles, with the emerald ash borer is that the tree ends up failing catastrophically. It ends up getting corky. And so you're, uh, contractor, your tree service professional, your arborist can't actually climb the tree anymore to do removals. Uh, they they have to use a lift, they have to use a crane because it's just not safe uh, to be climbed in once it's got the beetle. Well, Dan, I appreciate your help today on this. Any final thoughts? You know, I'm. Uh, it's frustrating. I, uh, I I hear people's frustration all the time, but uh, bear with us. City of Winnipeg is doing a, a good job, but budget increases would always would always help. <laughs> Dan, thanks a lot. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.